Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Faith here with your welcome toast. Christopher Moore said, When surfers put on their wetsuits to guard against the chill of icy waters, great white sharks adjust their diets to include shrink-wrapped people snacks on fiberglass crackers. Well, I'm a hungry woman Feed me like I want to be fed Yeah, I'm a hungry woman Feed me like I want to be fed Well, you can feed my body But you really gotta feed my head It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. The gang is here. We're all excited about this particular conversation because when I first saw Nigella Lawson on TV, I did this thing that I think a lot of other people have done, and I said, who is this? (laughs) It had little to do with Nigella being beautiful, which she is. It was the whole package. She has this sensuous approach to food and its pleasure, her encouragement of home cooks. She insists she is one, that she's not a chef, and her kind of pitch-perfect combination of flavors and ingredients that communicate what I think is joy. So in this new cookbook of hers, At My Table, she is writing about stuff she loves to make, eat, and share with guests. She's nine best-selling cookbooks in, and with every one, I'm knocked out by what she chooses to make overall, but there's always something in a book of hers that makes her one of my domestic goddesses. In this book, it would be the emergency brownies for two people. Nigella Lawson, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. What a fantastic introduction. I don't know where we can go from there. (laughs) Let me see what I can do. I've been watching you doing your interviews all over because if you do something in print, I just go to it immediately because I'm so interested in what you do. And I just finished interviews with uh, Lydia Bastianich and Giada De Laurentiis. So I've been doing this a long time, and I know that a book tour is never easy. And so I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, when you are interviewed by American media, how are we different in our interests with you than what British broadcasters would be interested in? Is there a difference I don't know if there is a a huge difference. I mean, I think possibly what makes a bit of a difference in the UK, but mainly with older people, is that who remember, you know, I had a career and, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and a journalistic life before I started writing about food or going on TV talking about food. So that can make a difference. I think sometimes the biggest difference in how I'm interviewed is whether it's a man or a woman, actually, rather than where they come from. Oh, of course, now I have to ask you. I was going to go right to the recipe. (laughs) But now I have to ask you, what is that difference? Mostly that men seem generally sure that I'm always saying things which have some sort of 
other meaning, some sexual meaning. That I'm, and I always say to them, look, so they quote something, but it could be, but what I'm saying is I'm filling some glasses with chocolate mousse. And I just have to say, now please explain to me what you think the double entendre is. What is it that you think I am saying? And they, they never can. So I always find that I, find, I can get to find that tiresome. However, I am yeah. aware that people often think that I'm doing that, that I'm being, I mean, yeah. my friends laugh at that because they know that I'm really so not that kind of a person. So that happens a bit. But generally speaking, I think if you talk to the right people, and I try and talk to the right people, um, you always have an interesting conversation. Is there something that you wish interviewers would ask you but rarely do? No, I don't think so. I think people often do. I mean, I think that what is very important to me, and you were talking about ingredients and flavors, for me, words are an essential ingredient. And one of the things that lured me over to food writing, and from there, I suppose, it took me a bit of convincing, but I did then make some, you know, food programs. But what was the challenge, and in a way the appeal, was finding the right language to describe food Mm. and to describe how any ingredients felt at any time within the cooking process. And that, to me, is a very important part of what I do. And Uh I think it's a a world constructed out of language. It really, really is. Because you do have a literary sense. You have a sense of touch. There's something cinematic about what you do. So I'm, I'm glad you said all that. I want to go to a recipe of yours that was so appealing to me in this new book, At yes. My Table. It's this egg tortilla pie. Yes, it's scarcely a recipe. You know how the best things at home. It was really just you know, a quick supper whereby you get... I mean, I use the soft flour tortillas. I mean, I buy them. I'm not making them. And, you know, it really was a question of a friend of mine said, oh, you know, when she gets home, sometimes she just makes this kind of quick pie by putting a tortilla in a dish and then adding whatever she's got around to it. And generally, I do ham, grated cheese and a couple of eggs, and then using another tortilla, if you think of it like a pie, like the top lid of the pie, and just putting a bit of olive oil and putting it in the oven, a bit of the hot sauce. Mm. And um, it's just one of those things that can really help at the end of the day. Yes. It's easy, and it's comfort food, and it's something you can cook on a weeknight and or brunch, people coming over. Just wonderful yeah. idea. I was so tempted to talk about black pudding because I'm from Scottish people. Oh, and, right. so you know and love it, or do you know Oh, I love it. But no one here knows what it is, so I'm not going <laughs> to... It's one of those things that some people do know about, and some people love, but otherwise the people are horrified. Yes, so, yes. Blood pudding, it's cool. Yes, it's a blood sausage, so... Yeah. This is interesting, this Catalan toast. Our friend Alex Province is Spanish senior contributor on the show, and his family in Spain, and now he in America... They make this all the time. This You tell me about it. You know, a lot of people go to the restaurants often and have the Italian version, the sort of uh, bruschetta yeah. with tomatoes. But what, what it is, the Spanish version or the Catalan version, I think is quite interesting, is that it's toast. And often when I've been there, they will smear a bit of garlic over it and then put some chopped tomato, but quite thinly. You can still see the toast underneath the tomato. And so what I do is I get a very ripe tomato and I chop it, chop it, chop it, and I carry on. I mean, I use a mezzaluna, which is one of those 
two-handled curved knives. That's only because I'm very clumsy, and if you've got both hands around the uh, round the handle, you're not going to cut yourself. But basically, you just carry on chopping till you've got a sort of pinky red fuzz, and I add a bit of minced garlic to it and, and olive oil, and I leave it for a while. So it's almost like a tomato spread. It's amazing. You can get one tomato, one generous-sized tomato, not one of those big beefsteaks ones which are too coarse-skinned. I mean, you can spread so many bits of toast with that, and it's wonderful. So if you don't do it too thickly, you know, and um, you sprinkle some finishing salt of your choice. Obviously, I'm British. I use Malden. And it's a wonderful way to start any dinner, or in fact, sometimes in summer, without the garlic, I have it in the garden for breakfast. This is Nigella Lawson. I'm thrilled to have her on the show because I am a fan of hers. And her new cookbook is At My Table, and she's in her hotel, and we're talking... I'm in Vancouver. Oh, what a beautiful place that is. Oh, you lucky. Okay, so (laughs) I want to thank you because you've allowed us to put three recipes from the book on our website. And And what have you chosen? Well, we've chosen the Turkish eggs to start with. I love those. You do? I have to to say to everyone that I agree it sounds an odd proposition to have poached eggs on yogurt, so you just have to try it because it sounds strange, but everyone who's tried it has been just bowled over. And it's simple to make. I had to get over a lifelong fear of egg poaching, which I have now, that I'm very proud to say. If people are afraid, you can always get those little cups, whatever you want to do. Or you could uh, soft bottom peel, or you could do sunny side up. Yeah, that's exactly right. The next recipe you said would work for our listeners at foodschmooze.org, where we describe everything about your book, chili mint lamb cutlets. Spicy lamb cutlets. Do you know, I'm flying back home this weekend, and that is the first thing I'm going to eat at home, those lamb cutlets and the um, mint and preserved lemon sauce, because they are utterly delicious. After such a long flight, I will be tired, but I want to cook something, and mm. I thought that was a perfect thing to cook to welcome me home. And this is, is this them. from your mother, correct? This was her sauce? Well, the mint sauce is a very contemporary tweaking of what the mint sauce my mother always made. I have a thing about preserved lemons. I do, too. My mother made a mint sauce with vinegar, fresh mint, a pinch of sugar, and boiling water. And I thought, well, I have a couple of uh, preserved lemons left bobbing about in the jar in the fridge. Mm. So let me try and see if I can make the mint sauce with the lemons. And I I did, and now I always do. And in fact, I use this particular recipe that you're going to have on the website as a basis for all manner of, you know, herb salsas now. And it's very nice when that becomes part of a, a repertoire. Mm, yes, you could do it with chicken, swordfish, a number of things. Yeah, and I, on, you know, Mondays, I often have a bit of a clear out of my fridge and see which herbs are looking a bit, you know, just like they're on their last legs. And I make a big batch of sauce with whatever herbs I've got. And it's great. And the preserved lemons give it this sort of depth and zing. The last recipe that we chose that's on foodschmooze.org is uh, the one that I said during the introduction just blew me away, which is these emergency brownies for two. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably knew that when you put this in the book, right? Just... No, it was quite a late addition to the book, oh. and I just thought, no, they have to go in. 
I was at home one evening and I just really needed, I just thought I have to have a brownie and I didn't want, I mean, what is the point of using so many eggs up, so much chocolate for everything when you, you haven't got a lot of people there to eat them all. And so um, I made this small batch recipe and in fact, you know, it's very fudgy and cocoa-y and it's been immensely popular at home. I mean, all it is, you know, just one egg, three tablespoons of cocoa and three tablespoons of all-purpose flour and some butter and brown sugar and a bit of maple syrup. And it comes yeah. out as a, a generous portion. It for comes out as a generous portion, and it always looks a bit sad in the tin because, of course, it's, you know, it's quite low down. But when you take it out and cut it, <laughs> then you feel that's yeah. fine. This is how it should be. I have to say that when I came to a particular page, because I'm an anchovy fan, I know not oh, everyone is. Good. Oh, I thought this is a genius combination. Sirloin steaks with an anchovy cream sauce. Anchovy lovers always find a haven in my books. We all know about steak with a pepper sauce, steak au poivre. And I just thought, how wonderful, because the, um, the anchovy cream sauce is like a salt version of the pepper sauce. And it's so wonderful with it. And actually, it's pretty wonderful as Mm -hmm. well with lamb. Mm -hmm. What a good idea. I want to come back to something. This is Nigella Lawson, and her new cookbook is At My Table. You've perhaps heard her being interviewed in some different places. We're very excited to have her on the Food Schmooze party. And I'm trying to get at why she loves what she loves, not just these recipes that are at foodschmooze.org. So at the beginning, you said that you felt there was a difference between men and women interviewing you and that there was this little kind of labeling uh, of your seductiveness and all that stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about you, and I, I was looking at your picture on the book, and I thought, I bet, would you consider yourself a bit of an introvert? I do know whether I'm an introvert or not, but, you know, I was a very shy child. Uh, my mother used to try and stop me being shy at 15. When I was 15, she said to me things like, Nigella, for God's sake, stop being... Who do you think is interested in you anyway? She thought shyness was an act of self-indulgence, and I can oh. see her point now, but, you know, when you're 15, it doesn't help. But oh. anyway, I didn't really start talking and feeling less shy until I went to live in Italy. That changed the way I cooked, and it changed the way I felt as a person, but I, I can be, mm-hmm. I love talking and I love being connected with people, so in that sense, yeah. I don't know that I'm an introvert, I was as a child for sure, yeah. but on the other hand, I love sharing what I enjoy, my enthusiasms and food, and if I'm reading a book I like, I love all that, and as I say, I like being connected with people. Yeah, do you have to go home and recharge? Yes. I get that. I do, I potter about my kitchen. And I lie about reading, and that's then I feel, you know, rested. Do you like to read novels? What I do like you... novels, and I like memoir. Did you read the Elena Ferrante? Oh. I did. I felt I made a mistake in reading it in translated form, that I should have read it in Italian. Mm. I felt I didn't know whether I was re- really reading what her words were like, and I felt it was lazy of me since... I can understand Italian. I would have found it hard, but it would have improved my Italian had I read it in Italian. <laughs> it was compelling. Yep, yep. I was pulled back into that world, but I also didn't want to be in the world. Yes, <laughs> me too. Exactly. I have to say, I hope you're happy. You're just wonderful at what you do. I so appreciate it. <laughs> That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. I love this. Thank you. Um, as I say, sharing my enthusiasms gives me 
a very deep pleasure. I know that about you. Thank you so much. Okay, then. Bye bye. Okay. <laughs> bye. Bye. Nigella Lawson, her new cookbook, isn't she great, is called At My Table, A Celebration of Home Cooking. And um, I hope we got at who she is as well as uh, the kind of food that she cooks, which is about her too, of course, but it's nice to really get to know the person. Oh, we have great stuff coming your way. Stay with us. Well, you can feed me chocolate buns, feed me goose pate, feed me nuts and honey and your seafood buffet. Faith Middleton with my food buddies, and you can sign up for our free podcast, which means a copy of the show. You sign up for it once at our site, and then we send it to you, and you listen on your schedule. Everybody, I mean, not everybody, a lot of people know that's how podcasts work, but if you don't, I'm interested in you if you don't. I end up listening to the podcast myself, believe it or not. I am with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Wine broker Alex Province, who is in both Connecticut and right now in his other home, Phoenix, Arizona. And so he's now our Southwestern correspondent part-time. And uh, we have Mark Raymond, who is our, also a wine broker from Wethersfield, Connecticut. Robin Doyen Aiken is our senior producer. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. hey, here we go. Let's do a quick kind of round-robin thing on kitchen tips. I cruise all over the Internet, publications, online, uh, on TV, radio. I'm listening to food stuff, reading food stuff constantly, cookbooks. And when I find things that are really terrific, I want to talk about them. And so this time we've got Cooks Illustrated. I thought these were pretty darn good. Okay, Chris Raspberry, go. All right, this is a really cool one if you're like me and I, probably everybody. You know the rubber gloves you do dishes with? 
right? Yeah, yeah. If you're doing dishes and they rip or you get a hole in them. I do that. Right? Yeah. Everyone does. And then you throw them away. Well, this woman rode in and what she does is take a pair of scissors and cuts it so it's a full circle. And then you get these perfect rubber bands. Like so she's fingers. What a clever idea. Yeah. So she, yeah, she makes it in hat. different sizes. And right as you go down to the wrist part, you got big rubber bands. And on top, it's you like got the little lobster ones. band. Yeah, like little. Only wider. You know how yeah. I always try and think of something to do with the big lobster, lobster band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can cut them to the width you want, too. So it's a great use of. Uh, right, you know, something you were going right. to chuck in the garbage. It's good recycling. I yeah. like that. Okay, Mark Raymond, what do you have? Oh, I've got this really cool tip from a woman in Charleston, South Carolina. This about, is again Cooks Illustrated. This is Cooks Illustrated. Yep, uh, Rachel Delaney. She writes in about um, chipotle peppers. You know, you get the whole can, right? The, you know, the one in the adobo sauce, right? Yeah, yeah with the with the sauce, right? Yeah. And so I guess what they are is actually dried smoked jalapenos, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're Which, always hotter than I think they're going to be. Oh, yeah. They really are. They're super Start spicy. The but drink. I absolutely love them, and there's so many uses for them. But what she does is she takes an ice cube tray, and she individually puts one pepper in each tray and then pours That's a little awesome. bit of the sauce and freezes them. And now when she needs one pepper per time, you can take it out of the tray and then kind of slice it up while it's still frozen. And that way you don't have the sauce falling all over the place. and More control. A little bit more control of the Mm. portion size. That is a great one. So, Alex, you're in Arizona right now, and I buy these peppers here in our supermarkets, and they're still in the cabinet because I haven't a clue what to do with them. (laughs) As, As you have just gotten to Arizona for the first time, are you seeing these peppers? They must know how yeah. to use them constantly, right? So first and foremost, all the grocery stores have much more elaborate selection of Mexican-inspired food. So there's so many different kinds of chilies and cheeses and sour creams and sauces. And so, yeah, for us, it's it's like a new learning experience figuring out what to do with this stuff. But next time I'm in Connecticut, give me those cans. I'll bring them back. Okay. <laughs> I'll put them in my luggage. One of the things I do with the peppers, first of all, I love to use it in my chili or if I'm making a barbecue. Barbecue pulled pork, I'll put a little bit in there. But I'll take a half a teaspoon and I'll put it into like a tablespoon or two tablespoons of mayonnaise yeah, and sure. make a chipotle, chipotle mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Yeah. And then yeah. I'll put that on like a chicken wrap or some and sort of a little goes a long way. You yeah. use, and and, and that's... you can keep it in the fridge and it'll last forever. But yeah. what do I do? There's another pepper that has less heat than yeah. Chipotle, and I'm just trying to think what it is because I bought a bag of those, and they're, <laughs> yeah. still, they're still in cellophane because I don't know what to do with them. Alex, you've got to be our correspondent about what to do with these peppers because we can get them here. Yeah, you, if you take them and you just put them in hot water, they'll soften right up. And then use your immersion blender, throw in a tomato, a little sautéed onion, and you have like an instant like enchilada sauce. And but then you wh- know, what about the heat factor? I can't anymore take. I scrape two- out the seeds, so make sure you get the seeds out because I think a lot of the heat's in there. And then start off, use more tomato and less chili until you figure it out. I have that same fear. Wash your hands. Don't ever touch these things and touch your face. Yeah. Or anything else. Or where are those rubber gloves Chris was talking about? (laughs) No, they've been cut up. (laughs) They're fingerless. Uh, All right. Wait a minute. Um, Let me just pull myself together. I don't want to talk about that story. (laughs) No, I... Okay, so this was this was a fantastic lightning round. <laughs> All right, um, 
I have one more thing to add. A few shows ago, we did some stuff on the food trucks. I am a nut about food trucks. And there is one during that show that I mentioned, and it is called Pluff Pluff. It's P-L-O-U-F. Pluff Pluff means splash splash in French. And this is a food truck in Providence, (laughs) Rhode Island. Yes, Pluff Pluff. In Providence, Rhode Island. There is a three-star chef who is running this. His name is uh, Mario Moliere. And the thing they sell the most of, and I'm going to tell you where this is in Providence. It's at Kennedy Plaza, College Hill, where Brown University is, and RISD. Or you could just go online, ploof, ploof, and see where they are. I, I just want to keep saying it. They, <laughs> they post where they're, but well, let me just tell you what they make. Yeah, tell please. me if you don't. This is for those of us who go to the, my family's on the Cape, who go to the Cape and want to have a stop on the way that would be fun and not a fortune. And this is it. This truck serves, its most popular thing is a duck burger with Parmesan truffle fries. Duck burger, Parmesan truffle fries all together. They make many other things, but that is the big hit at this (laughs) truck. Ground duck, you think, or or like a confit, like pulled apart? If I'm making it, I'm chopping up the meat. And maybe mixing it with a little something else, and that's how I'm making my burger. Chris, what would you do to make a duck burger? I'm just looking at Ploof Ploof on the phone, and, like, there's 800 hits on the Ploof Ploof food truck, so I want to go yeah. there right away. I yeah. know. I'm passing so, through Providence he's, next he's, week. I'm this stop. guy specializes in from-scratch cuisine, so he's awesome. got stews and and summer salads, it's all like in the French tradition. Every, you fabulous. can get everything on a food truck now. Oh, yeah. It's the coolest way to eat. And there's parks now, if right? It's where good, you can, yeah. yeah. And there's parks where like <laughs> you can go and there's fifteen different types. They're all lined up. There's a grilled cheese, there's a cupcake, there's a steak, there's a burger one. You know what it Thai is? Food. It's Queens on Wheels. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you can eat around yeah. the world with some of these yeah. food trucks now. So mm. I don't know what their tax situation is, but they're lucky because they don't have the rent. They have to find a place to cook that Mm -hmm. is legal, but they don't have the monthly rent. I'm sure there are some some kind of tax things things you work out. I'm sure there's some fees that they have to get. And plus, you need permission permission in various towns. But trucks are showing up in towns where I never Mm. thought they would allow a truck. I'm thinking about Madison, Connecticut. Two of them there. Yes, Alex. Okay. So we've got. I have a time capsule still buried at Academy Elementary, right next to those food trucks. That's where I went to school. So, <laughs> so you, can, you, can, you can dig it up and have lunch. Have a burrito. <laughs> what is in that time capsule? Do you remember? I don't know. Something about the space shuttle, and that was like new stuff back then. So uh, showing your <laughs> you age. Mm. Wow. One of those yeah, a Sony Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say one of the Seinfeld phones where there's a big yeah, antenna does. up. <laughs> <laughs> Velcro sneakers. Okay. I <laughs> hey, I, I have. We're about to come into the season of peaches. And so yeah, yeah. I I love locally grown peaches. Oh, Just, mm-hmm. you know, or, Cheese you know, dripping. if you could get me some peaches oh. from Oregon or where, wherever, I'm good with that, too. As long as they're just the peachiest mm-hmm. peaches, I am in heaven. Alex has got a cocktail for us, and Chris Ooh. has got one that his yeah. his new favorite, new favorite. Uh, summer cocktail. We'll get to this. 
But this recipe I wanted to share with you, which is something that I like to make. It's bourbon-glazed peaches on the Ooh. grill. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Okay, Sign me so up. easy. You just butter and brown sugar and lemon, some bourbon, and a little bit of water, and then, of course, ripe peaches that you cut in half. And when you make this little sauce on the stovetop, let the peaches sit in the sauce for a while so yeah. they kind of absorb it. Nice. And then you make sure with a little pastry brush or whatever you've got that it's all over. And then you put them on the grill. And it caramelizes because of the Chars. sugar and, oh, yeah. and the sugar in the bourbon. Mm. You can then put ice cream oh. with that, or you could put those peaches onto something, oh, like, like a piece of cake cream. or oh, yeah. whatever you want. The cake and ice cream. <laughs> A little sprinkle of cayenne pepper, make it Ooh, some South oh, Now you're fire. really set low. Spicy. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, boy. <laughs> Spicy bourbon. Yep. Uh, yep. yep. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Giddy up, buddy. Okay, so here we go. Alex, why don't you give us, then we're going to go to our two wines and tell you about a trick that we have, the fun that we've been having mixing wines together in the studio. We've got a rosé and a Malbec, which is great. That Malbec, great with ice in it. Or in the refrigerator, solid cold to have it with steak or lamb or whatever you've got going on the grill. It almost feels like a little bit of a dry sangria when you put these ice cubes in it. I love that. Okay, okay, so Alex, give it to us. What do you have for your cocktail? How about a Spanish gin tonic? So everyone knows the English gin tonic, you know, gin and just tonic. What makes this Spanish is they use a big balloon glass, like that big, wide wine glass, the kind, you know, that's almost ridiculously big. And you're going to use aromatics like citrus rinds, rosemary sprigs, thyme, mint leaves, lavender, cucumber slices. This comes together by taking this wine glass, fill it with ice. And they, Spain, they like it very, very cold. And then let your guests or you choose whatever aromatic you want to use. So a sprig of rosemary for me and a mint leaf. Maybe some peppercorns if you want. Use all gin. Together? F- oh, all yeah. together? All mm-hmm. together. And then use your favorite gin. You can figure out how much gin you want. The key to this is a really quality tonic. So we like fever tree or Q tonic, yeah. you know, yeah. something yeah. in a bottle, not the cloyingly sweet stuff. So what makes this special is instead of using a highball, you have this big, wide, overflowing fun glass, glass with all these <laughs> fun things sticking out. It serves super cold. And you can go to your garden and just clip stuff. <laughs> and you know, how, have a, have how a, much do you put in? I mean, we have the recipe at foodschmooze.org, sure. Alex's recipe. The herbs are going to make it aromatic, but it's also decorative. So part of this is just it looks fun. Grab a two or three sprigs of rosemary and just stick it so it's popping out of the glass, kind of like a Bloody Mary on brunch, you know, but with a gin tonic. Another point to that, too, is the aromatics. As you're putting that glass up to your nose, you're getting that rosemary scent and all the botanicals that you get from a gin and tonic yeah, just kind of start it. to explode. The idea is gin is not really anything. You can make it whatever you want. Illegally, it's it's grain alcohol and then aromatics. The thought is you're just kind of making your own gin. You add aromatics that you like, and you nice. kind of can play off, you know, oh. if you're using a fancy gin. I, I mean, like that's that. the thought mm-hmm. behind this. You can have a gin tonic party at your house. So just have the bar set up, have all the herbs and stuff, and then let everyone customize their own. Yeah, and there's so many many cool herbs. Like I have pineapple mint that grows in my garden now. You know, we've got lemon balm. Lemon thyme. Lemon thyme. So many chocolate mint Chocolate mint. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things. Alex, can you do this with vodka? 
Yeah, you know, why not? Some people I mean, can't have Then you're gin. really making yeah. your own gin. Yeah. If you do it with vodka, you are you're making, making your, your, own your own gin, gin right? <laughs> really yeah. making yeah, your Chris own Yeah, Chris is right. Add some juniper, well, you're making junipers herbal, in there. You're making yeah. herbal vodka, yeah. right? Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. You know, the yeah. thing is, gins have changed today. So I think people grew up with old-fashioned gins, but now they're, the big thing is they're making all this craft gin. So anyone who doesn't like gin might want to revisit it. I think they've changed a little bit. There's some neat ones Agreed. out there. Yeah, and if you can't find one of these small craft gins, a gorgeous gin is Plymouth. Yep. That's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, nice it's in a nice too. little bottle. <laughs> okay. And don't so, feel obligated to I mean, use whatever. Yeah. yeah, use whatever you have. People we're, who don't like tonic, just have gin by itself with a little squeeze of lime the in there. The original martini. You, you know what's you know, interesting? Make yourself a nice little gimlet. <laughs> You know how quinine is really bitter and gin is bitter? The idea why these two ingredients work well is supposedly these molecules stick to each other and make Mm -hmm. them less bitter as a combination. So if you don't like quinine on its its own together with gin, you might like it. Or you'll forget that you don't like it. No, that's right. So um, (laughs) coming up in our next segment, we have a wine discovery for you. Very affordable, $12 a bottle. We have a rosé and a Malbec that we think are good with so many foods. And we also wanted to play a game with what happens if we mix things together. Wineries do this. Why can't we do it right here in the studio? We're going to give it a shot. You know us. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. And to get the podcast free of the Food Schmooze Party every week, to find all of our curated recommendations, go to foodschmooze.org. And don't go away. is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. New York, including Westchester County, East End of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. Senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken, and to hear the show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. And with my food buddies, Alex Province and Chris Rosberry and Mark Raymond, Robin, I mentioned. So, okay, before we go to the wine tasting of uh, value wines, people, $12 a bottle, two different categories. 
Chris, your favorite cocktail for the summer. All right, real quick. And I was just in Europe. I'm walking by these outdoor cafes, and everyone had this, like, orangey, pinkish-looking drink Mm -hmm. on the table. You know, and after, like, walking, I don't know, 10 blocks and seeing everyone on the porch having the same drink, I had to ask my cousin, what is that? She's like, it's an Aperol spritz. Have you heard of it? Yeah. I mean, I've had Aperol, but I've never had the spritz. So, so we went, she's like, okay, let's sit down at the next one and have one. I here, love it. He, I, yes. Here's why. Because we have done the Aperol Spritz on this show. <laughs> I don't know how many times. Who is the one who says, no, thank you, Mr. Prosperity? Yeah. And now yeah. he goes yeah. to Europe yeah. and it looks great in a glass. It looks great in a glass. <laughs> and everyone's it's a having European it. European glass. And everyone's yeah. having it. As I recall, Faith, you spilled some on your white pants before. I believe <laughs> I did. Yes, yes. And, and I did. now I'm in love with this drink because it's wonderful. And, and yeah. it's low alcohol. Yeah. So can, refreshing. Yeah. And I add more soda than a regular recipe calls for. Yeah. And yeah. you must be in the Absolutely. sun and drink as much as you want. And it's a kind of bitter. No to it. That's really wonderful. You know, before you're eating dinner, this is a great thing to have because you don't want to have. Sometimes I don't too much alcohol as as an aperitif, and you know, I want something. I was going to say neutral, but somehow the bitter works anyway. So Aperol spritz. So I should I should have listened when we had it on the Chris. Was it in the big wine glass? Yeah, it was in the huge goblet. goblet. Yeah, that's why you can't miss it when you're walking down the street. Okay, so my favorite drink of the summer is uh, watermelon with either vodka or tequila. What I do is I will, when the watermelon starts coming in, I open it up when I get home, chop it up into chunks. I get seedless for obvious Mm. reasons. And then all the chunks I put in a plastic bag into the freezer it goes. And then when I'm making my watermelon thing, (gasps) I just throw it in the blender and it gives it a little bit of a freeze to it. It stays really cold and you put in whatever alcohol you like. And no ice And so herbs or whatever you want to do. I just am crazy about watermelon. So it's really wonderful for me. Just make sure you're grabbing the watermelon, not the... uh, Chipotle pepper for us earlier. <laughs> That's right. Okay. This is very spicy. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's try a couple of wines. Mark, thank you for bringing this in to try. Oh, my pleasure. And we all said, oh, yes, at this price point. Mm. Because, let me put it to you this way, can you guarantee that these are wholesomely made, meaning no junk in the wine at the vineyard, to stretch them, to, you know, make the so-called recipe at $12? These are simple estate-made wines. There's no fillers. There's no additives. These are really wholesome wines. Okay. So they're not straining them through pig's bladder or anything? No, no. Here we go. (laughs) So we're going to start with the rosé. This is the new vintage of a wine we featured on the show before, but this is the new vintage. No vintage tastes like the last one. Well, Mark, would you take the cork out of that? Yeah, let me grab that. As you're doing that, would you... Yeah. How about that? Oh, that was fun. So this is Baron Delay. Don't worry about writing this down because it's on our site, foodschmooze.org. This is a Rioja... Go from the it. region of Rioja, Spain. And this is their Rosado. Where or is Rose, this vineyard? Just south of Logroño, which is the capital of Rioja, in a, a town called Mendavia. It's one of the few wineries in Rioja that actually 
only produces from what they grow. That's awesome. <gasps> yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? And unlike a lot of rosé that comes from Rioja, this is 100% Grenache. A lot of times you'll see they blend in Tempranillo or they make a whole Tempranillo rosé. But there's um, nothing wrong with that, right? The no. blending. Because you're looking for a flavor profile. Exactly. People who like Garnacha, it's the same grape as Grenache in France, so don't be intimidated. Mm -hmm. It's just spelled in the Spanish way. And what does that mean? For someone who's hearing this Grenache or Grenacha in Spain, what does that mean? What can you expect from that grape? It's like fruity and soft tannins and just enjoyable. It's a a real easy drinking. Dry. Dry It's a dry wine, yep. Okay, so this is a rosé, which has become more and more popular, just as Europe has done with these wines. They just love them. $12 a bottle. If you go online, we've got a picture of the label, and we tell you what to say. Call ahead to your wine store. They can't stock everything. They should have it to you within 24 hours, you know, unless you call at 10 o'clock at night. Baron Delay is L-E-Y, Baron Delay. So I'm looking at this, and... Mm. Taking a sip. Mm. Here's something I want to tell you. I have had some very fancy rosés lately. They have been, when I first drank them, amazing. And then, as happens, you get, if you drink wine in a sensual way and it goes down your throat and through your body, a good wine will have this echo in the mouth, at the back of your throat, and where it's going, wow, 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 again. And it is a beautiful thing when that happens. The question is, what's going on during that echo? Lately, the fancy ones have had this candy effect where there's kind of almost sweetness in the echo, and I think, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. No. And, Mark, where does that come from? It could be from... Too much alcohol? Too much alcohol. It can be from overripe grapes, Mm. but in that sweetness you're talking about, and I've had that, it's almost like a a Jolly Rancher effect in the back of your throat Mm -hmm. where you, you know, you've had, uh, we've all had Jolly Rancher candies, and they have that sort of... Some of the younger people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, they've been around a little while. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. The candy I'm always afraid I'm going to pull my molar out when you... you Yes, exactly. You down on them. You know, but as a whole, though, rosés are still such a wonderful value. For under $15, you can get most of them on the market if you get the current vintage, are so good. I'm afraid the price is going to go up one day, but at the moment, it's like, where else can you get a $12 bottle of wine? So, Alex, I was just at a tasting. These rosés were so expensive through the Mm. roof. And so there are companies that say, all right, if that's the new thing with people, we're going to make the most so-called elegant version of this that we can and charge a lot of money. So I like what what Alex is saying. (laughs) You you don't have to spend. So I really like this. Okay, now here's the other one. This is a dark red called Finca El Origen. Alex, finca is really the word for, is it farm? Like a, a like farmhouse a out in the countryside. Yeah. Normally people have their, their their house in the village, and then outside in the farmland you have a finca that so, you spend the weekends on. Or. So, Mark, this is a reserve. It's a Malbec. Malbec is an amazing grape that in Argentina is mm-hmm. the red grape of Argentina, mm-hmm. um, originally from France. And this is from Argentina. And this is This wine, Finca El Origin, is from 
Twelve dollars again. Argentina. Twelve dollars yep. a bottle at the website. Beautiful, elegant, velvety plum and red berries, dark cherry. It's absolutely sensual and delicious. I love this. We don't think in the summer of something so dark necessarily. What I do with my red wines, unless it's something so crazily fabulous that someone has given Mm me, I put them straight into the refrigerator. I'm not talking about just a slight chill. I mean, I'm 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 drinking them cold, right? Refrigerator cold. I'll even put them. I I know people hate when I say this, but I'll put ice cubes in it. Absolutely. Because especially when it's summer and it's hot Uh out. It's so hot. I I know it dilutes the wine a little bit, but I'm not talking about like a packed glass of ice, but you drop like a cube or two in there. That's right. Drop a couple cubes in there. All right. So this Malbec has a little bit of structure in it so that it matches well with all the grilled foods I can think of, yeah. including oh, yeah. including grilled octopus. I mean, I would really <laughs> seriously have this with any... any right, Robin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I really... <laughs> what I would have it with? I would have it with swordfish, even. You know, normally oh, I would nice have a very soft fish. red. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, here's what was fun. Go to the website if you want to find these twelve dollar wines. If you're having people over in Europe, this is what people are drinking. They're mm-hmm. not drinking. $70 bottles of wine oh. uh, because people are coming over. They they're, don't. No. This is what they're drinking. So don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel shy about bringing this to somebody's house because we chose these because we think they're good. You know, as consumers, if they just keep insisting that prices stay low, it sends a message to the industry to keep producing really good wines at a price point. Agreed. So tell your wine shop yeah. that. Like, that, hey, that's I want to spend 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah. So I want to try something. When you're at a vineyard, they are mixing grapes together. You heard us just saying some vineyards mix the Malbec grape with the Grenache grape and blah, you know, various grapes to come up with a recipe they like. Just like we add herbs and spices and then the main ingredients, these are recipes, wines are. So I want to try something. Mark, if you would pour, I put some of your rosé in the glass, and I would say that's about an inch and I'm going to put an inch of the oh, yeah. red Malbec in here. I'm going to give it a little shake and see what happens to both of them. And you can do this. This yeah. is fun to have people yeah. over to do this. You don't want huh? expensive wines for no, this. but these are perfect for it. Perfect for it. So I'm let me just I'm blown see. away. It changes the wine I completely. I am blown away. All the tannins are gone. It just softens it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just by 50-50 yeah. and boom. Yep. Right? Well, it's a fun party experiment to try. Yeah. yeah. To put I mean, a bunch the, of- one of the hottest categories in the market today in the U.S. is the red blends. You can have so much fun not just doing red blends but taking a little bit of rosé like we just did, blending it into a red. But then you think about, Alex, we've got some of the greatest wines in the world are a blend of red and white grapes like Chateauneuf du Pop. Which sure, is, which Spain, is what? Yeah, uh, Viognier and Grenache and Syrah. Yeah. So, so whites and reds from around southern France and blending them all together. Yeah. So I grew and, up thinking about Chateauneuf de Pop as being that dark, plummy, serious, it is. thick, it is. rich Bold of a, red wine. And then I discovered there's a white Chateauneuf de Pop, and I think, what's that? Mm. What did they do? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? It's typical in Italy or Spain that the, or France that they'll do 90% <laughs> red, and then they'll add 
10% of the white into the harvest while they're harvesting and it's perfectly legal and it kind of softens up a I harsher like vintage. And why right. wouldn't you do that? Soft it right up. Try it. Try have friends so over fun and do. do this or or just I'm blown you away and by another the and, and your neighbor, you yeah. know, you and another yeah. person just have yeah. some fun. You know, wineries will get um, little beakers that you can get pretty inexpensively, I bet online, and then you can make your own Bordeaux blend. You could get Malbec oh, and measure and, it out so yeah, you know sure. it's Yeah, sure, and you can make it some, get some beakers. Yeah. It's a little nerdy, but fun. Well, you know, you could also get a bunch of inexpensive, probably 59 cents each, shot glasses, you know, at the dollar store even, and just pour them into these shot glasses and start doing your mix. Keep track on a piece of paper. Yeah. I did this with my friends Elaine and Jim, and to me, they had chosen really good wines that were, I was terrified to mix them. But, oh, sure, um, Faith. Please mix our expensive wines. <laughs> no, no, wine. seriously. No, please, I insist. Out of, out of the wine cellar. They were doing, going it to her house like again. terrifying. So, um... But I would say this is the category, and obviously I love these wines just as they are, so you don't have to be a blender. Um, but we were just having yeah, some fun And it's just a them. fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Right? totally. I'm fun. in. Absolutely. Sign okay. me up. I always love to do this, catch everybody by surprise, fast. What are you making tonight, Chris? I am actually going to an event, so I am not making. I'm eating out. Oh, good I'm for you. I'm going to El Forno in Old Saybrook. Ah, I love that place. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Uh, we're going to make fried beef cutlets with uh, fresh arugula and lemon. Oh, you devil. Okay, Robin? Burgers are thawing in the refrigerator right now, nice. and we will be grilling them up tonight. <gasps> oh, nice. Okay, What I'm kind of cheese? Swiss and American okay. for the kids. All oh, right. I like Swiss because I'm fancy. Alex, go ahead. We're going to do wild salmon. I'm going to marinate it in soy sauce, some scallions, garlic, and then grill it over mesquite firewood. Serve Ooh. it with wild mesquite rice. Mesquite firewood. Ooh. Wait, yeah. I'm the chef, Come and on. I'm the only one dining out. I know. No, okay. I deserve it. So, I, so no. You, what do you make of Faith? We're getting uh, shrimp and from the local market, which is already mm-hmm. cooked. And we have arugula at home. And we're going to make feta and shrimp nice. and kalamata olives Ooh, as a oh, salad. Like and a make salad. that a, a, yes, we're nice. going to make a kind of Greek Very salad nice. thing awesome. for dinner. Uh, Are you going to serve it in, like in bib lettuce or anything like that? Like no, but we're going to throw no. plates against the wall. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> I love it. Opa. Opa. That's, what, that's what you need to say. That's how you do dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I hate this plate. All right. I love you all madly, as I, I say. We love you uh, more. Uh, no. All right. We're on Connecticut Public Radio, Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Listen for my 60 seconds and food schmoozes, and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.